Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What's good, everybody? Happy Monday. Dexter Henry here for the NBA Exchange, doing a late one today, and I'm glad because my guest was able to accommodate me. I had some things to take care of today, but uh, I like when we do these shows right before the games get started tonight, and everybody knows who watches the show. I love Luka Doncic. I'm a Luka Doncic fan. Everybody knows I'm a Knicks fan, but I like Luka Doncic. I want to see him do well, Uh, and the Mavs, you know, they've had an interesting start to the season. Things have been up and down. So when it comes to talking Mavs basketball, there is nobody I'd rather talk to than the co-host of the Gunshot Podcast. That is Lauren Gunn. This is her. I don't even know, Lauren, what number of appearances is for you on the show. I think it's four. I could be wrong. But um, I'm always happy to see you down in uh, Texas, down in Dallas. <laughs> How are you? How have you been? How's everything going? Uh, things are good. Things are good. In Mavs land, Maybe not so good, but hopefully okay. we can uh, get things going tonight, maybe back in the right direction, get this team back above 500, and hopefully go from there. Well, see, I thought things might have got a bit better for you guys when you came to New York. You saw the Knicks. Uh, you, the, that game looked like it was going the Knicks' way. I think that was after you had the back-to-back with Detroit, right? You lost to Detroit mm-hmm. the night before. Um, you had this great comeback win on the Knicks. Tim Hardaway is dancing all over the garden. I thought things were going pretty good for the Mavs. But with the Mavs, I'm sure we'll get to this. You probably have some concerns like I do about this team. Um, I watch them very closely, but I have some concerns about them. I guess my first thing I'll start here is last year, and I got to give you all the credit. Last year, when we talked, I think it was right before the playoffs, you were like, hey, Texas team can make it to the Western Conference Finals. And I was like, okay, all right, all right, Lauren. Like, I, I, I don't know about that. They did. Um, I always wonder when a team, when they make a run like that, where where maybe everybody didn't expect it, except for Lauren, Lauren did. Everybody didn't expect it. Does that change the expectations then for the team going forward? Do you feel like the expectations change for the Mavs this year in the 2022-2023 NBA season? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a complex answer because obviously, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on it plenty of times, but the Jalen Brunson part of it all when it came to his role in last year's team and the success of that overall team, especially when it came to the playoffs, um, it's just not the same team as last year. That being said, 
you made it to the Western Conference Finals. You have to kind of sustain this level and uh, of of just competitiveness and in, in terms of expectation. You have to be able to try and um, you don't want to take steps back, especially when you have a guy like Luca who is showing that he can take steps forward in terms of coming into the season in shape, looking locked in. It's very hard when you're an organization that you're kind of looking at your reality right now, saying it's not looking as good as it did last year. And 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 I don't get me wrong. Dallas does typically start the season off slowly and then around Christmas time to start the new year, they kind of kick it into a new gear. But in previous years, it's really been Luca hasn't come into the season in shape. And then the thing that really gets this team going is he has now played himself into shape. Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleba, the threes kind of start to fall and they kind of just go from there. But with Luca already coming into the season in shape, them still not quite having their rotation and their starting lineup and even sometimes their closing lineup really finalized a lot of questions still moving up in the air. So while I think there's pressure and maybe an expectation to get to not necessarily the Western Conference Finals, but at least be competing for a championship year after year when you have a player like Luka Doncic, I think they're all very aware that that is not what the, what's in store for them this season unless they make a big move. And I just don't know that they have the pieces to do it right now. Yeah, and that's the thing we're going to get to um, down the road a little bit later in our conversation because that's one of the things I'm really concerned can they make the big move right now? What is that? What do they need to do? You brought up something which I think was fair to maybe look at when you talked about the Dallas Mavericks, which is, okay, they lost Jalen Brunson. We're happy he's here in New York with the Knicks. But that was another guy who was a ball handler, who was so key, who showed that he could perform in the playoffs, Lauren. I think now when you look at the Mavs, and this will get us to where we're going to go, but it's, all right, you're looking at this and you're like, Luka needs some help. He needs a co-star. Do you feel like those concerns, and I've seen that from Mavericks Twitter, do you feel like those concerns about Luka needing a co-star are legit? Like, does he really need that help? Is it much about having a number two that's solid for him there? Yeah, no, he definitely needs the help. He <laughs> he, he needs lots of help right now because while what we're seeing on a night-to-night basis with him is absolutely unreal, I was telling a friend last week that um, – he's on my fantasy team and it's the type of league where you pick each performance each week based on how they do and you lock it in and when he puts up 30 10 and 10 I choose not to lock that in because that's considered an off night for him that's the level that he's playing at right now it's it's insane that being said that's a lot to ask of on a guy from a night-to-night basis and this team right now their motto their their scheme I guess really just is live by the three and die by the three and while Spencer Dinwiddie Josh Green, who's having a tremendous year, and even Christian Wood, while they're all shooting 40% and above from three, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kluba, after getting after off coming or getting off to slow starts, they're finally starting to pick up the pace. Reggie Bullock still hasn't picked up the pace there. And they still don't have that third ball handler and a whole lot of offense coming off of the bench. So when those threes aren't falling, it very quickly just goes downhill from there. And granted, they have been at some points in the season. I don't believe that they still are, but they were top 10 in both offense and defensive rating. But the number, the numbers just don't tell the whole story right now with this team. So Luca, while I don't think um, they have the assets to go out and make a big trade to try and bring in a quote-unquote second star, I do really believe that there are solid starter-level players that they could make moves for to bring in uh, some much-needed help. And and while they don't necessarily have the pieces to bring in a crazy big star, I do think that they can kind of maximize on some of these opportunities where maybe a team is looking to add draft assets or maybe they're looking Mm. to 
move off of a long-term contract that they kind of got backed into. The Mavs were linked to John Collins today. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily a great move and it is, he would be redundant to Christian Wood. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of swap or if they tried to go down that route really to just lock in a guy who they know exactly what they're getting. Um, he's locked into a long-term contract. I think they really like Christian Wood, but I think the Mavs right now, they cannot settle with continuing to throw out this formula on a night-to-night basis and expecting it to take them very far. Yeah, and and you're talking about them throwing out that formula, right, and it taking mm-hmm. them very far, and I think there's a lot of concern with that because for an organization like the Mavericks, the clock is ticking with Luka, right? If every time that passes where Luka's not getting, well, now it's going to be past the Western Conference Finals because we've mm-hmm. seen the greatness of him and him being able to take them there. It's going to be like, is Luka going to leave? I know, I know that talk is already heating up there. Mm-hmm. I want to get back something to something that you mentioned about the supporting cast and the outside yeah. shooting, right? Because I was looking at some of the numbers, and this was a couple of weeks ago when the Mavs were sliding a bit more. And I said, okay, well, Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, those two guys in particular, they're hitting sort of about at the same rate on the same attempts that they were last year. But when I watch, you made, you made this point, something still doesn't feel right. And the word I got, and I'll take it from my friend Gerard Hector, who said this on the show, the offense looks way too heliocentric, right? Everybody knows that Luke is going to take the shot, especially late in the game. You know mm-hmm. where the ball is going. Is it more not about just the outside shooting, Lauren, with the supporting cast and more of that those outside shooters can't create their own shot? Is that what you see when you look at some of the struggles from a Dorian Finney-Smith, from a Reggie Bullock? Is that the concern for you there? Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair. One thing that's interesting is, is when you're looking at this team, there are certain guys who you can expect them to really never put the ball in the deck and try and hit you with a pump fake and get to the hoop. Some guys that are showing improvement in that area, namely Josh Green and, and Dorian Finney-Smith, but guys like Reggie Bullock, uh, Frank Nilakina, Maxi Kleba, while Maxi does occasionally drive, I don't think that there's a whole, I don't think people watching necessarily have a whole lot of confidence in that. So it's not just surrounding Luca with shooters, because while that does typically result in kind of a heliocentric uh, offense, the problem is that anytime he needs to defer, if Spencer Dinwiddie is not in the game, you really don't have anyone that's going to put the ball on the ground and try to get to the rim. Christian Wood does that, but really they just try to get him the ball in mismatch situations. And sometimes it's just not as maybe fluid as you would like it to be. So while I would love to see them go out and get someone that, again, can kind of maintain this high-level shooting that has given them success in in previous years. They need someone who can really put the ball on the deck, which is why kind of going into the trade deadline and trade season that kind of unofficially opens here in in just three days, um, I do think that they will look at either a big, a rim-protecting big, because they're pretty terrible at rebounding right now, um, or a kind of wing scoring guy who can create his own shot. And it doesn't even have to be, I mean, Kyle Kuzma is a really popular name out there right now, Mm. but even someone like Alec Burks, who I know you and many other Knicks fans are very familiar with. He's just a guy that is a veteran player proven in multiple systems available being on a team like Detroit. Um, just a guy that can get out and kind of heat up, come off your bench and, and just knows how to play their role. And so, and, and can also still hit that outside shot. So for the Mavs, they have to be selective with their moves and be realistic because there are always veteran players and even young players that are worth taking a swing on that don't cost very much, but in your system, they might just find success. Their value might 
I don't want to say skyrocket because you can't mm. necessarily bank on that. That's unrealistic. But if you put them in your system correctly and you use them correctly, then I think you can have a really cohesive unit that can just add to everyone's value. And that's how you're going to be able to set yourself up long term, especially as some of these longer term contracts that the Mavs have right now that maybe might not be as favorable as those years continue to go by. Yeah, put a put a pin in Alec Burks because that's a name I like yeah. um, for the Mavs because, you, as you mentioned, he's somebody that can handle the ball. He can score. You can kind of play him. I, well, played the one a lot for the Knicks last year. That didn't go so great. But two, three, he can play a little bit there. Veteran. I like that. Put a pin in mm-hmm. that. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Jason Kidd made a switch to the starting lineup mm-hmm. and brought Tim Hardaway Jr. in. Yes. And I'm going to be careful with this because Tim Hardaway Jr., <laughs> he's produced – offensively right yeah. like he's we still we know that he's not a plus defender we'll get to that in a second but the team's played a little bit better since he's come in the starting lineup do you like that for the Mavs or do you have concerns about Tim Hardaway Jr. in the starting lineup you know I think it's the right move for them right now and 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 what I'm looking at you know from game to game or um even just taking a step back, like you got to take into consideration, or at least is how I go about it, where they're at currently and the expectations for the current year and where they're trying to go at, go long-term. And I think it's very clear to Mavs fans, literally every single person watching that the Mavs are not who the Mavs, who they were last year. And so what can they do to try and improve? Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably behind Davis Bertans, their second least favorable contract. So in my mind, while they are playing better with him, and we'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second in terms of how it's um, changing the scheme and how what I like and what I don't like about it. I think it's the right move because he does really benefit from playing with Luca and playing with that space because again, as Knicks fans know, he's not necessarily somebody who's going to put the ball in the deck and maybe run an offense by any means. We, I don't think that that's what Dallas needs from him. But if he can get up to a point where he's putting up buckets and he's kind of shining as a starter, um, at least consistently enough to where he's on a couple of nationally televised games, uh, he's succeeding as a starter, I think that that could be the angle and the route Dallas might be trying to pursue in terms of maybe bringing his value up a little bit, uh, which is a really difficult thing to do for a shooting wing who doesn't have a whole lot of ball handling, who isn't super strong defensively and is making over $15 million. We're seeing that be a really, really tough kind of, I don't, asset to have on your books. I don't even know. It might be even leaning more towards a liability than an asset. And so for them, I think right now in the short term and long term, starting him is the best thing to do. And part of the reason that I think that they are able to start him is because of the success that Josh Green is having this year, uh, who is very similar to Reggie Bullock in the way that he is very much three and D, but he has a little bit more ball handling than both Reggie and Tim. So if it weren't for Josh Green, I, oh God, this season, this this season would just be really, really rough right now. So I think that they're lucky to have him. Yeah, no, Josh Green has been a pleasant surprise for the Mavericks and maybe a piece that Maverick fans should be excited about. Mm-hmm. And I hear you, right? Like this, Tim Hardaway Jr., I like what you said. For now, it works and where they are now, mm-hmm. and it, it, it works there. Okay, but then the other concern I have with Tim Hardaway Jr. gets to the next point. Mm-hmm defensive concerns with the starting lineup, okay? Because now you've got Luke out there, who we know is not a plus defender, although he's made some strides, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dinwiddie, not a plus defender. Tim Hardaway Jr., also not a plus defender. Those are three guys on the perimeter you have guarding, and it's like you can't really hide Luka as well as you'd want to on defense. 
Are, do you have concerns about the defensive side of the starting lineup? That even though Jason Kidd has made things work, mm-hmm. I still have some concerns about that. Oh, I have lots of concerns. I can't, I can't, I can't even, there are many, many concerns. Um, I think with this team right now, the fact that Christian Wood still isn't even starting is a a huge concern in terms of how you might want, not necessarily, not, I'm not suggesting that he's a defensive anchor by any means, but they do really need that player. And right now, Dwight Powell starting at the five is just, he's not a defensive guy, which really just leaves Dorian Finney-Smith. And, and after last year's playoffs, when Reggie Bullock was playing very well, he was playing north of 40 minutes a night, knocking down the threes and guard it, typically guarding the second best player on opposing teams. That's just not the same Reggie Bullock that we've got this, gotten this year. And he, I mean, don't get me wrong, very strong defensively, but there have, there have been plenty of games where on closing possessions or even on key possessions, I see Tim Hardaway Jr. out there and he's the one that's guarding the second best player. And, and I can't help but just be like, what is going on? And so... I think for Dallas right now, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they get to a point where they might kind of experiment a little bit with Josh Green in that starting lineup because, like I said, they're getting the three-point production that they would like to be getting from Reggie Bullock or even Tim Hardaway Jr. out of Josh Green, and he brings the defense and he brings the ball handling. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if they do go the route where they try to bring in Josh Green into that starting lineup, maybe even move Spencer to the bench or Tim to the bench. Uh, because I think that that might be their path towards success. But again, with trade season looming, I do think that everything with Tim Hardaway Jr., I don't just think it's a coincidence. Mm, Right. Sometimes it's about showcasing the player, maybe getting them out there, other people get some looks. You mentioned something I wanted to ask too. Um, Mm -hmm. Christian Wood, are you in Mm -hmm. the camp of he needs to start? It sounds like you are. Do you feel like they should start him because of what you said about Dwight Powell? Limitation. Yeah, I, I I definitely think he needs to be starting. Um, this whole staggering strategy, I think, is to be honest, really ridiculous. I don't think it makes any sense. His numbers have proven that he deserves to be starting. And if they don't think he's, I guess, defensively sound enough to play the five, well, frankly, that's just not his problem. That's the front office and coaching's problem. And so Having him come off the bench, I I worry that that's frustrating him. I worry that's going to affect his contract negotiations. And I do worry that they're going to find themselves in another Jalen Brunson type situation where he has a more mm. money and a bigger role offered elsewhere. I do think that the Mavs are aware that they really can't afford to have another one of those situations take place. But the more games go by, the more frustration builds from, I think, just about everyone watching because it truly does make no sense, especially when they're struggling the way that they are. Yeah, I've definitely seen the calls for him to start on Mavs Twitter. And you can't, <laughs> yeah. hey, look, you can't deny what he's done offensively. He's been mm-hmm. solid. I'm not, He's not a defensive stalwart. I don't have to tell you that, Lauren. You know that as well, too. But offensively, he's been solid. And he's easily, I would say, the Mavs' second best reliable offensive player. Um, so yeah, that's a little interesting and, but it sounds to me like, and this will get to, we'll get to this in a second. It sounds to me like you feel like, look, a move is definitely coming in some shape or form, but the Mavs did make one move. They got Kemba Walker and you haven't mentioned him once here (laughs) about if he can help the Mavs. You didn't even mention him at all. Can Kemba Walker help the Mavs? Should Mavs fans be believing there's some way that he can help, uh, be a facility of, (laughs) <laughs> Jalen Brunson last year? Because I don't – listen, I love Kemba. Covered mm-hmm. in high school. You saw what happened with the Knicks last year. I think if you're banking on him to do that, Lauren, mm-hmm. probably not the best move. 
Yeah. Uh, but do you think he can help the Mavs? What do you, what do you say? Yeah, I definitely think he can help the Mavs in a Jalen Brunson type role. No, I think that that's way too much of an ask for him. Um, but I like the signing. I think, I mean, all off season, I was anticipating and, and just because it's such, it's such a Mavericks front office move to go after an offensive minded, uh, kind of veteran point guard injury history or not. I, honestly don't even think that they really care. I think that they were just, especially once the season got underway and they realized that, hey, Frank Nilakina and Jaden Hardy are not two guys that were necessarily ready to have run our, our second group. Uh, so bringing someone in like Kemba, who plays with patience, and he's only played one game, which is really why I hadn't mentioned him, because as much as I think he should be getting 10 to 15 minutes a night and being the one to run that second unit and get the ball moving – they just haven't trusted him to do so yet. And I don't know if that speaks to his health. I don't know if that speaks to still not having the rotation figured out, but I absolutely think he needs to be in there on a night to night basis. And again, I don't expect anything from him defensively. I don't even expect him to really put up a ton of points. I just need somebody that I trust to get in there and run an offense. Yeah. And I think the, I think the minute that she put on him 10 to 15 minutes, I actually think that's reasonable. Um, and I think like you said, run an offense, keep good pace with the second unit. Yes, you should not expect anything defensively. That's probably the smart way to go on that. The thing is health, and I wonder if how much that he's only played in one game so far. We'll see if he plays tonight. I wonder how much that has to do with his health. Okay, so all this being said, Lauren, how did the Mavs get Luka a co-star? How does this happen? And do you think that it has to happen this year? And the reason I bring that up, or, or future years, because, all right, this is the last year you owe the Knicks a pick for the Porzingis trade. The Mavs punted on that trade. They basically said it didn't work for them. And I'm somebody who actually thinks the Mavs, while I love the Luka-KP pairing, I actually think they made the right decision there uh, for the long term of their team. But in looking for the long term future and health of the Mavericks, is now the time to go for that co-star? Do you wait till the offseason into next year? But then, like I said, the clock is ticking on Luka. Mm-hmm. How, how does this happen? How are the Mavs going to get Luca a co-star? So in my mind, it doesn't happen this year. I absolutely, I will, I will preface this by saying there to me, there is no scenario in which the Mavericks do not make a trade before the trade deadline. It, because yes, it has gotten that bad on a night's night basis. Um, they have a couple of quote unquote easy games coming up, but I still, even if they were to win all five, I would not feel very confident about this team. And I just don't see a landscape for them to trade for a star in the short term, especially while they owe the Knicks that pick. Um, If you want to consider Miles Turner being someone who's a star, I don't know that that's necessarily someone who everyone would consider a star, but I think that he would be a massive, massive help to this team and could put up big numbers. That is probably the biggest swing that I could see them making this season. depending on what the Bulls do and how far that goes downhill. But that's, again, another conversation. To me, the path for the Mavs to get a co-star is to wait for the Knicks pick to convey. Uh, There continues to be more pressure on the Mavs uh, in order to retain Luka and and more uncertainty with their future, causing the, the 25, 27, 29, and every pick in between to have more and more value. Um, because the rest of the world is going to be expecting Luka to no longer be on the Mavs in those years. Uh, So they are going to have to wait until they have those final 
uh, picks all available and they're going to have to package them together once the right guy comes available. And unfortunately, they don't have a ton of time to wait for the right player, which is what a big conversation is right now with this team. It's do you sacrifice a first round pick right now to bring in someone that might not be a star, but that could really address a major need um, on this team, not just this year, but moving forward as well. And, and I think Miles Turner is a good example of that. Uh, but for this team, I think the key for them is to just, in terms of hoping for the star, you have to wait, but you also can't necessarily say, well, oh, this guy is too injury prone, or this guy is a little bit older. Their timeline might not be that that great, or I guess aligned. For Dallas, when those picks are available, you can't necessarily rush it, but you also can't just sit back and kind of wait for the perfect situation because you just don't have that luxury. Yeah, it's going to be – you're right. And listen, it's hard to trade for a star in the NBA. Um, if you look at the Knicks, they did not – ended up not trading for Donovan Mitchell. You never know what the price is and all that other stuff. So I, I kind of wanted to – before I get you out of here, um, a couple more things. I wanted to go through some trade possibilities for you or names you might think. Now, you already mentioned John Collins. How do you feel about that? You kind of made it seem like it doesn't, it doesn't really address or fix that problem the Mavs have. And I don't think he's definitely that bona fide number two. And I'm honestly not sure he's that much better than Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's locked into a long-term deal, as you mentioned before. How do you feel about that if they traded for him? Um, I mean, a player like that is always fun and exciting. Personally, like, I mean, if if they were to make that move, I would I would talk myself into it and be excited, but I think that there are much better moves out there for them. I'm with you. While John Collins is the better player right now than Christian Wood. I don't think it's too much of a difference to where you're going to have to ultimately give up more assets to meet the Hawks asking price. For me, that's not super worth it for the Mavs, depending on what it is that they give up. Um, But in the event that they do either do some sort of Christian Wood swap or um, do a Christian Wood swap and, and find a way to move off of maybe a big value contract. Uh, I, I, I think that there are options for them with this John Collins thing, but it, as of right now, it would surprise me um, if that's the direction that they went because swapping one guy out for a similar prototype to me just doesn't solve a whole lot of issues. Yeah, that doesn't solve. I now want to mention somebody else you brought up and, and somebody else on that same team. You mentioned Alec Burks, um, who I find very interesting. And I think you and I would probably agree that might be a little bit more of an affordable move for the Mavs. What about Boyan Bogdanovich um, as well, too, from the Pistons? Is that another guy you'd be interested in? What do you think of both those players off the Pistons? Yeah, I mean, I I would be thrilled to get Boyan Bogdanovich on this team. Unfortunately, I just don't think that the Mavericks are going to be able to meet Detroit's asking price uh, after he signed that extension. And plus, I don't even think that they will have the luxury to wait until the – recently signed extension rule lifts. I think that they're going to have to pursue other options before then. Uh, But Bogdanovich, I'm a big fan of his. And if the Mavs were able to somehow get him without giving up a first round pick or without giving up Josh Green, I'd love to have him on this team. But I really don't see a world in which that happens. He's just playing very well over in Detroit right now. Yeah, he is. Alec Burks, I think we both like um, and we we think would be good. Is there any other names out there? under the radar trade possibilities that you see for the Mavericks that you would like uh, that you can let the Mavs fans fantasize about for a little bit? 
Oh man. Yeah. Under the radar. I think Clint Capella is actually very intriguing kind of Mm -hmm. stepping away from John Collins because he's a name that I've been keeping an eye on. I think there's going to be a lot of suitors out there for Miles Turner. And while he is the ideal one for me, I do think Clint Capella is interesting because I have going into this season, I, I assumed, and I think it was even talked about that it won't be long before Atlanta really shifts uh, giving the, I guess, five starter five keys to over to Onyeka Okongwu uh, and kind of transitioning from, from Clint Capella. I don't think Clint Capella is going to get benched this season. I'm not saying that, but I do think that they really like what they're seeing from Okongwu, I think from a long-term perspective and, and seeing what his ceiling could be. Um, so while John Collins will continue to be a name that comes up in the trade market, I think going for that rim-protecting defensive-minded big for Dallas is going to be a huge, huge thing that they need to prioritize because they do have the secondary ball handler in the starting lineup and Spencer Dinwiddie when he's on and when Luca's on, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty tough to beat. Um, and so to me, trying to go out and either get a, a tertiary ball handler to run the, the second unit um, or even a wing scorer, I just don't know that they're going to be able to beat many other prices out there. But what, a price that I do think that they could meet is either the Hawks for Clint Capella or the Pacers for Miles Turner. Okay, there we go. Now I'm going to throw one last name at you. Mm-hmm. Um, potential, I guess some people view him as a star. I could see this person becoming available, maybe not this year, but maybe down the road. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, yay or nay, Lauren? Would you uh, would you like to see him on the maps with uh, Luke? Oh man, well, that, that is like an interesting no. question. That sounds like a no. <laughs> That's an interesting question because then I think uh, this one's for Mavs Twitter. Then we'd have the top two greatest shooting big men of all time on on, on ah, one team. Um, but ah, now, yeah. personally, I don't know that I'd feel too great about Carl Anthony Towns, and it's. I will say right now for this team, it's like a, you know, you don't get to sit around and pick and choose which star you're going to hand select because that's, again, that's just not their reality. Um, Carl Anthony Towns does seem to be one of the names that might be working their way out of a situation. I think it's too early to tell with this whole Timberwolves formula that they've got going on right now. But when you're looking at kind of long-term stars who are going to be the next ones to most likely uh, relocate, he you can't have that conversation without talking about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, again, I do think that there are better options, and I just don't even know that he's necessarily the best fit. Uh, and I think it's probably good for a lot of teams to see how he is, how he does look next to a an elite rim protector like Ro- mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert and how a team is struggling throwing that formula out there on a night-to-night basis. So um, for Dallas, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get in on really any conversation moving forward if a star were to come available. But for me, if you're going to push on push in all your chips, you need to go for another wing who can get their own shot and go that route. I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you now. Okay, good talk about trade possibilities. We'll see. We'll talk like sometime after the trade deadline. See, see where where that. For at. sure. La- for sure. Last thing. Okay. Um, okay. This is the question. I think that you sort of answered. And I think I know how you mm-hmm. feel about this. But is that is this current Mavericks team, as they're currently constructed, can they be among the Western Conference elite, or is it like you said they're going to need that tweak or two to get themselves back up there or even have the idea? of reaching the Western Conference Finals. Do you think this roster can do anything this year that's close to what they did last year? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just I just got to call it like it is. And and the key, if, if, if the question was, can the Mavs this year be a team that can be among the Western Conference elite? I would say yes, they could. But this current Mavs team, no. 
there's just no way. And as much as I, I always, anyone that knows me knows that I always try to be optimistic, but right now it's something that on a night to night basis, you can't help. It's at the point where I'm like, okay, look at Josh Green, look at that improvement. Okay. Jaden Hardy's out there. I'll look forward to that because right now they just can't really close out games. They can't really get a rebound. The rotation is off. The coaching, the play is being drawn up. Not so great. So right now they have a lot that they need to fix. And I think that that is really kind of the best way for people who maybe haven't been watching the Mavs this year uh, to kind of sum up their current situation. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's Luca needs help. That's that. I mean, that's, that's sure really, <laughs> that's really all I can say. Like Luca needs help. If you've been watching the Mavs as closely as Lauren does, and as I do to a, to a pretty good degree, Luca needs help. You cannot have this heliocentric offense that we have continued to see and think that's going to pay off uh, with no other shot creation. And that's going to be a problem. We'll see what the Mavs do. Trade season is about here, Lauren. It's about here. It's going to be a fun time. You do a great job covering the Mavs. Great job on your podcast. Always a pleasure to see you. You know we'll talk some Mavericks basketball soon, of course, right? Always. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. That is Lauren Gunn once again. She is the co-host of the Gunshot Podcast. You can check out her work and follow her on Twitter and everywhere and all the great work that she does. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the games tonight that I'm liking my best bets for tonight. I'm going to talk about that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, Join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the PrizePix app today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. We have a very interesting night of NBA action, as we heard from Lauren Gunn. The Mavericks, they are back in action tonight, and they are hoping to uh, get back on their winning ways. There was some thought that Luka Doncic might not play in this one. He will play in this one tonight. So there's some good games for us to talk about. But I'm going to give you my picks for Monday night. Uh, I was just checking. We have seven games on the slate. The Mavericks are hosting the Thunder. One of them, that's not a game I decided to go to tonight uh, in terms of my pick. I had a couple others that I was looking at that I thought was pretty good. Uh, let's start first with the Nets and the Wizards. Shout out to the homie Kelsey Nicole Nelson, who uh, does a great job covering the Wizards. The Brooklyn Nets, they are six-point favorites in this one against the Wizards. The Wizards plus 191 in the money line. Over under here is 227. Now, the Nets, they're going to have their players back. A lot of people, you've been following the NBA, you've been following some NBA betting. The Nets on Saturday, they had eight players out. Eight players did not play. No Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons, no Kyrie Irving. And they still beat the Pacers on the road in, the, in Indianapolis. That was a tremendous win for the Nets there, I think a win like that does a lot of confidence. And Nets have been trending well in the right direction. As of late, there's some good things I like. Since Jacques Vaughn has taken over, they seem to be sort of getting their rhythm. I still have some concerns about their role players. 
and their offense and how everything is going. But when you look at the Nets right now, they sit fourth in the Eastern Conference at 16 and 12. They've won eight out of their last 10. They've been playing some pretty good basketball. And then conversely, when you look at the Wizards, and this is why I like to talk about this game, the Wizards now, we just had Kelsey Nicole Nelson. It was a week ago, 11 and 13, okay? They were at the time. They've lost six in a row. They're on a six-game losing streak. They've won one game in their last 10 matchups. They're now 11 and 16 on the season, as I said, sitting in 12th place in the Eastern Conference. So things are starting to go very south for the Wizards very quickly. And look, the Nets, as expected, I just checked the line. I just checked the injury report. Expected to have their major rotation players back in tonight. Going down to D.C., KD back in the DMV, a homecoming for him there. You know he's going to want to put up. I like the Nets to win here. I think the six might even be a little bit too low. I like them to cover here pretty easily against the Wizards. Look for anything with KD. Props over 28 and a half points. I bang the over on that. I expect a big night for KD down in the DMV. I think the Nets cover easily on this one. They rested some of their players the other night. They're getting their major rotation players back. I think for the role players, getting that win in Indiana was huge for their confidence. Give me the Nets to cover the six points on the road down in D.C. against the Wizards. Sorry, Kelsey, but uh like the Nets on this one. Next up, I got the Atlanta Hawks. They are in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. And the Hawks, they're going to have a bunch of players out in this one, too. Well, at least listed as questionable, but most likely out. Trey Young listed as questionable. Clint Capella also listed as questionable in this one. And DeJounte Murray uh, still out with his injury. The Hawks plus 340. If you really like them, you got some good value there. The Grizzlies, nine and a half point favorites. Y'all know how I feel about the big lines. Almost as double digits. You're asking for the Grizzlies to win by 10 and more. Grizzlies still without Desmond Bain, but they should have enough here for me. Because of this, it's something of a trend I'll keep going with. Lines a little bit too large for me. Still think the Grizzlies are finding their footing, a much better defensive team. Give me the Grizzlies to cover in the first half. That's the play for me there. Give me the Grizzlies to cover in the first half. You can find that around six and a half points. I think that's good value. I think they can cover that. I do not think the Hawks are going to be able to hang with them, especially if there's no Trey Young. There's no Clint Capletta. If there's some way that those guys play, you'll see this line move uh, a couple of points and go down. I still would take the Grizzlies there, even if that happened, because I like the way they're playing right now, as opposed to the Hawks, who've been a little bit up and down as well, too. In terms of player props in this one, one I've been riding on for a bit in the last couple of weeks, and I've hit a couple of times, Jaron Jackson over two and a half blocks. That number's still been staying there. He's gone over that. He's had some four-block games, some five-block games. You can get pretty good value anywhere around plus 135 to what plus 150 as high as I've seen that on that prop. That's a really good one to look at. With no Clint Capella in there, I think it's a great time for Jaron Jackson to dominate inside. See him swatting a bunch of shots. He's fantastic at that. Look at that prop with him over two and a half blocks. But I like the Grizzlies in this. Wouldn't touch the game line. Would touch the first half line. And if you feel good about that after the first half, maybe how it's going, maybe live bet the game line. If that's how you feel, maybe around seven and a half, eight and a half points, maybe you get it to come down a little bit lower and you're able to live bet the game line and do that. I might play it that way, but I love that first half line for the Grizzlies. I think they're able to handle business here at home against the Hawks who are banged up. And last but not least, my third game of the night, Boston Celtics. They're coming off of uh, the Warriors uh, showing them some things. Showing them that, uh, yeah, they might have got off to a slow start and we took care of y'all in the finals and he took care of them again. The Celtics, that is, in a Saturday night primetime matchup. Chef Curry and Clay Thompson were cooking. The Celtics, you've heard all the stuff about their offense being great. 
and on pace for one of the best offensive uh, team histories, which is a stat I think we need to like sort of pump the brakes on. We've seen a lot of teams in the last three to four years that have had historic offenses and then not done anything in the playoffs. I'm not saying the Celtics are that because I think the Celtics are actually good on the other side of the ball, which we know, and we haven't even seen them at their full strength with Robert Williams, who's injured. But I just always think we got to pump the brakes, and sometimes it matters against teams that know how to execute, which is what we saw on Saturday with the Golden State Warriors. With that being said, the Celtics now are in the City of Angels to play the Clippers tonight. They are four-and-a-half-point favorites. It was three-and-a-half earlier. It's now gone up a point, and that's because Zubak will be out of the game tonight. The Clippers plus 138 on that money line. Over under here is 224-and-a-half. I like the Celtics here. I like them to bounce back. I think they're not going to like what happened on Saturday night. I think they want to know. They know they're going up against two good defensive wings in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Clippers, they're still trying to figure stuff out. Been a little bit of a disappointing start to them for the season, but they haven't had Kawhi and Paul together each game. So I still think they're figuring stuff out. But I think the Celtics are going to bounce back. Now, this is the first of a back to back for them in LA. They will play the Lakers on Tuesday night. I think they definitely want to show a statement after they got embarrassed in a way, by the Warriors, and I think they will bounce back very well. In terms of props here, Jason Tatum has not been uh, getting over that 30-point mark recently. I've seen some stuff about fading him might be a good idea, but this is one where I might like him to maybe bounce back and get over 27, 28 points here. But I'm going to stay away from that. The prop I might keep my eye on here tonight is Jalen Brown. You look at his prop for rebounds. There's not as a little bit of juice on this. I've seen this anywhere from minus 135 to minus 150. In his rebound total line for what I've seen most places is at six and a half. Jalen Brown is averaging a career high in rebounds at 7.2 per game. I think this is one you definitely want to look at. The bang here, I think it's a good matchup for him, especially with Zubak out to get some boards. This is not a Clippers team that has a lot of size, particularly or big men down low. I think it's a great opportunity for him to get over that six and a half boards. So I would bang that as far as a player prop. But I like the Celtics to cover here. I expect this to be a good game. I think the Celtics execute and pull this one out late. They're not going to be hungry to bounce back after Saturday's loss to the Golden State Warriors. All right, so I've got the favorites covering here tonight. Give me the Nets covering the six points in D.C. against the Wizards. Give me the Grizzlies first half against to cover anywhere up to six and a half points against the Atlanta Hawks in Memphis. And give me the Celtics on the road to cover the four and a half against the Lakers. And I also like Jalen Brown over six and a half rebounds. As a player prop, that's a good one. Uh, another good show. I love doing these Monday shows where we get to do it a little later and talk to you guys before the games. And you can check out some of the good guests we have. If you missed this, you want to replay this, please check out the interview we had at the top with the great Lauren Gunn of the Gunshot Podcast. She's one of the best voices on Mavericks basketball. Always a good time with her when she comes on the show. I love talking to her. And we're going to have her back, I'm sure, a bunch of times this season. That should be fun. We got some other stuff. Just a programming note. Still not sure when we're going to do our NBA with Nuance this week. Uh, it will not happen on Wednesday uh, because I have some stuff to take care of. But we will let you know if we do something Thursday. And then Friday, uh, we should have another guest as well. But we're in full swing. We're getting close to Christmas Day games. We're getting this bigger sample size of things around the NBA and in the NBA. So a lot of good games tonight. A lot of good things to talk about. The Knicks. They are back over 500. They've won four in a row. Uh, I feel like the next time we get somebody to talk about the Knicks and come on here, it might be a little more positive for the Knicks fans around here. I'm, I'm hoping for that. Just a little bit more positivity around the Knicks. But we're getting a very exciting NBA season. Lauren Gunn mentioned 
Uh, trade season opening up December 15th. The first day eligible to some players who have been signed. 90% of the league will be open up for trades on December 15th because now the players who have been signed in the offseason and traded as such can now be open for trade season. So it's going to be a lot of talk about trades, what teams need to make moves, who's looking to make moves to bolster the roster, who will make early trades in December. I think that's going to be very interesting to keep your eye on. As we talked about today with the Mavericks, they're definitely going to be one of those teams to keep an eye on. So we'll have you covered on all of that around the NBA Exchange. Hit the like button wherever you're watching this, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Hit the like button. Reshare it. Give the NBA Exchange a follow. And we will be back with more great content later this week. I appreciate everybody for checking in. Appreciate you for watching. Once again, special shout out and thank you to our guest, Lauren Gunn of the Gunshot Podcast. Appreciate her for coming on. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and watching. Until next time on the NBA Exchange, guys, enjoy the basketball, of course. Peace.